Amen. And if you would remain standing, grab your Bibles and make your way to Colossians chapter 3. We are going to be making our way through verses 1 through 4. We stand for the reading of God's Word because we believe this is the Word of the Lord. Colossians 3 verse 1 says this, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. God bless the reading of his word. Let's pray together. At this present moment, Father, we believe and we acknowledge and we declare that your son Jesus is seated right now at your right hand. That he is not standing on his throne in stress or in agony. He is not pacing back and forth of the struggle or the toil or the things that are happening in this world or in our own lives. He is seated as the sovereign king alongside you, ruling and reigning, who is worthy to be praised. So Lord, as the scriptures are opened, as your word goes out, may our hearts be open to receive what you would speak to us this morning, regardless of where we are at. May your spirit do a work in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Well, Aloha Church Ohana. How's it? Good morning. It is a privilege to be worshiping Jesus with you all. We are really humbled and thankful that you would take your Sunday morning. We do this rhythm every Sunday where we gather, we open up the scriptures to hear from the Word of God. And, and even if you're not a Christian or you don't really know what to think of Christianity or you don't know what we believe as Christians, or maybe you are, but you don't have a church that you call home, we pray that we just want you first to know that you're welcome here. We're glad and humbled that you're here. We're thankful that you're taking your Sunday to be with us. And, and even as you're exploring or learning, um, that's okay. This is a safe place for that to happen, though we're going to declare the truth. In fact, that's why we had you turn in your Bibles to the Colossians chapter 3, because we believe when the, we open the Word of God, it's that when the Bible speaks, it's actually the God who is speaking to us. And that when we gather, that the purpose of this gathering, maybe you came with different motivations, but I'm just going to set some expectations right now. We don't gather so we feel good or so that we check off a box on a religious duty. We gather as a people that we would submit ourselves under the authority of the Word of God and His truth and His scriptures, and that in doing so, um, we would see Jesus clearly. We would know our place as humans and that we would glorify 
Him. And, and it is there, it is in that place we are safe, and it is in that place where we grow, and it is in that place where we have our joy filled afresh. And so that, that's kind of what's happening right now. But before we jump into the Word of God, a few things that we want to announce that are happening in the life of our church, Ohana. And the first is um, Robin Marino. Some of you know her. She has been the intern Keiki director for the past 12 months here at Shorebreak. And with the transition that has happened in Keiki uh, 12 months ago, she stepped in to fill the gap. And we are really grateful for Robin. We're thankful for the sacrifice that she has made to, to serve and to love our Keiki and, and the love that she has for Jesus. If you know Robin, you cannot help but feel Christ's love when you talk with her. And she has done a great um, service to our Keiki for the last 12 months of just being a faithful child of God and serving and, and loving our Keiki. Um, but her desire from the beginning, even as she stepped into Phil, was that, that until the Lord brought someone in who really had a desire to do that and the Lord would provide someone to do that, uh, she was there to fill the gap. And so recently the Lord has provided that person. So beginning this Sunday, uh, we wanted to share with you that Anna Shishikin is stepping in as the Keiki uh, intern director for our children's ministry. When we say Keiki, that, that, that means child in Hawaiian. And so um, that, that word uh, is, is just something that we really, it's not just, so, kids aren't just something that we just want to throw and say, oh, get babysat. But, but we believe that through Anna's leadership and the advancement of the gospel to our keiki, that that ministry is going to continue to grow and to flourish under her leadership. And so um, uh, on that note, Robin and Dan are actually gone on vacation uh, this Sunday. So they're not vacation. They're taking care of business on the mainland, but they will be back next week. And so if you see Robin, just thank her. Say, so Robin, thank you for everything you've done. She's going to continue to be in the classroom, but thank her for the sacrifice that she has made. And uh, when you see Anna, make sure you go pull her aside uh, and just say, congratulations, Anna loves Jesus. She loves her husband. She loves her kids, and she loves our cake, and she has a desire to see the gospel flourish in that ministry. And she has been serving in cakey for six years at this church, and so she's a great fit for that. And so make sure... You go over and then congratulate her and come alongside and support. Like just a little plug right now. Uh, if you're looking for a place to serve and ministry at the church, our cakey ministry is a great place. If you love Jesus and you love children to step in and to bring the gospel, to come alongside parents and to support them and encourage them. And so throwing that out there. Uh, second uh, line, that thing that we want to talk about, uh, we have prayerfully uh, over, really over the last year been uh, moving towards a uh, formal membership uh, here at Shorebreak of what we will call covenant membership. That is to say that we desire to more intentionally belong to one another as a people. When you think about Jesus' prayer for the church, he prays for you and me. He says, Father, I pray that they may be one even as you and I are one. What? How intimate and how unified is the Trinity? Like, there is no more intimate, unified um, entity than, than one God who eternally exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus is praying that, that our unity would be like that. And so covenant membership is a way that we have been, pray we have been praying about this and that we are prayerfully moving forward to, to say, for those who want to intentionally belong together as a people, that we would belong, that we would commit formally to encourage one another, to stir one another the good works, to hold one another accountable, and to um, commit to hold one another to the mission of God of making disciples. Now, um, 
this is something we've moved towards. Our core team and our, uh, those in community have gone through membership, and now we're presenting that to you as a church. Now, some of you are like, where do I sign? I, I want to belong as a member. Others of you, you're not even sure what to think. Then some of you are like, nope, not my thing. Don't want anything to do with that. And listen, okay, we understand. We, we get it. Some have just a horrible past experience of church membership. Others are just unsure. And some of you are, are excited. That being said, um, we want to invite you to begin the process of at least exploring and learning about what membership is at Shorebreak and why we're doing it. You don't have to be a member to serve or to give this church, but we invite you to belong. Um, and we want you just to simply learn about membership at the church. And so you're, you probably have a ton of questions, and we have a ton of resources available to answer this question. So at the end of this worship gathering, on your way out, stop by the Connect table, and uh, there's just going to be a form there for you to sign. It's just We're asking for your name and your email address and phone number. I think it, for sure email. And we're just going to email you the content, and it will at least um, give you the reason why our heart behind membership as we send resources to you and so um by by signing that you're not saying uh i'm becoming a member you're just taking the next step of of learning about why we're doing membership and it is a process and we want to love you through it and again um we just invite you to pray about it we're, we're not you don't have to but we have already seen with certain things that are happening in the life of the church the benefits of of, of membership had we not had that and, and and again i know you have questions some of you um, again, I just point you to, to learn more and, and to visit the Connectable to do that on the way out to sign, and we'll get those resources to you. So, love you guys. Um, just be make sure you uh, say hi to Anna, and then on your way out at the end of this worship, worship gathering, uh, fill out info at the Connectable. Well, we are in the book of Colossians. We are in the middle of this book now, and we are um, just looking at Christ who is in everything really the theme of what's happening and if we're going to take a broad view before we jump in we are at a pivotal point in our study in this book because colossians chapters one and two have been the laying of the foundation of the gospel and the supremacy of jesus that jesus is in all of life that Christ is in everything, that, that anywhere you go, anything you see, anything that is happening under the sun or beyond the sun in creation, from eternity past to the present to eternity future, everything exists for Jesus because Jesus is holding everything together and everything is being sustained by Jesus. Jesus is preeminent. Jesus is supreme. There is no one greater, no one more powerful, no one more worthy to be praised. And because of the supremacy of who Jesus is, Paul says, don't let anyone deceive you. Don't let anyone tell you right now in this moment that somehow the supremacy of Jesus isn't enough. Don't let anyone judge you on food or drink. Don't let any some spiritual mystic say, yeah, Jesus is good, but you need to do some of these Buddhist practices or you need to add some of these spiritual practices over here in addition to Jesus or you need to obey these rules and, and avoid these drinks and, and not take these foods or eat this diet and not this diet. He says, let no one judge you. Why? Because Christ is supreme. Jesus is sufficient for your salvation and for mine. He's enough 
He needs nothing to be added to him. So Paul has been contending and fighting for the truth of the gospel to bring the gospel so that they would flourish as the gospel is cultivated. He contends and he cultivates the gospel. So in summary then, if chapters 1 and 2 define what the gospel is, then chapters 3 and 4 define what the gospel does. What the gospel does in your life and in mine. And this is the cadence of the gospel. In fact, to only, as many Christians do, as many books, you go to the bookstore, you listen to sermons online sometimes, not all of them, but some of them, you, you will hear in churches, uh, let's talk about what the gospel does. And if we don't know what the gospel is or who Jesus is, we're actually committing ourselves to performance man-made religion. Because Paul doesn't give any room for that. That is why he's constantly unpacking the gospel, what the gospel is, before he ever dives into what the gospel does. Our activity always flows from our identity. Religion says, do these things, have this religious activity, and then your identity will be formed. But the gospel declares, through Jesus, this is who you are in Christ. Because of who you are in Jesus, now you should do these things. In other words, whose we are, who we are in Christ, determines what we do for Christ. Not what we do for Christ determines who we are in Christ. We cannot reverse that. But many people do. Chapter 1, chapter 3 rather, verse 1, is the movement, is the transition. It is the hinge upon which we move from what the gospel is to what the gospel does. And so we're going to we're going to swing throughout this message and we're going to move from what the gospel is to what the gospel does. And in verse 1, Paul says, if then you have been raised with Christ. Now that, that statement right there is something we can easily read over. We can try to say, okay, what do I need to do now? Paul says, no, no, no. If then, if then, this is important. We should pause. We should listen. We should Consider and contemplate what he is saying here because Paul's favorite way to talk about the Christian life is the way he describes the Christian here. He says that we are with Christ or we are in Christ. In fact, this language of raised with him or in him or with him is mentioned 160 times in the New Testament by Paul. Okay, so if someone says something 160 times, uh, there, there's, there's something deeper going on uh, than, than what maybe just meets the eye there. Paul does not define the Christian life as just saying a prayer. Paul does not define the Christian life by just kind of going to church. This is how Paul defines the life of the Christian, that we are in him, that we are in Christ, or that we, we have been raised with him, he says here. If then you have been raised with Christ, 160 times. Christians, we need to understand this. And even if we understand it, we need to be reminded of it. And even if we need to be reminded of it, we need to move deeper into this truth. If you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it is not just a profession. You have been actually raised with Him. Oh, oh you're a Christian? You know what that means? Paul, Paul would say, you've been raised with Him. 
That is your union with Jesus. You have union with God's Son. It's not just an intellectual thing. It's not just a belief that we have. He's not just a Savior we sing with. We've been raised with Him in His resurrection. So again, to go broad picture here, the cornerstone of Christianity is Jesus Christ. It is. The cornerstone of Jesus Christ is that in Him, the fullness of God's deity dwells. And the cornerstone then of the Christian is what? You are not your own. You belong to Jesus Christ. You are his possession. He owns you. You do not have a stake and a claim over your life anymore because you have been raised with him. You once lived your own life. You once lived for your own self. You once defined who you were, but if you were a Christian, you've actually been raised with Christ. So claiming to be a Christian and being raised with Christ are inseparable truths. They belong together. If you're a Christian, you've been raised with Christ. It's not, I believe in Jesus, but I'm not sure I've been raised with him. No, they're inseparable truths. It's what it actually means to be a Christian. And only then, when we begin to grasp the gospel identity, can we move into the gospel implications of the gospel. Our old man has died with Jesus. That as Christ's body was laid in Joseph's tomb, our sinful ways lied there with Christ in the tomb. And when Jesus conquered death, Jesus raised to life, he effectively raised our dead souls and gave us spiritual life as well. So I don't know how you view the resurrection, even though it happened 2,000 years ago. And when you think about Easter or when you read about the resurrection truth in the Bible, do you see in Christ's resurrection your identity being raised with him in his resurrection? how unified you are with Jesus. That you were once dead in your trespasses and sins, as Paul says in Colossians, but God made you alive in Jesus. So when you reflect on his resurrection, Jesus' resurrection is your resurrection. That is your identity. Now, can we do some deconstruction here for a moment before we move on? Paul says, if then you've been raised with Christ. So let me pause here and just, just ask lovingly. I, I'm saying this tenderly right now. Have you been raised with Christ? Well, how do I know? Well, let, let, let me press further and ask, do so by asking questions. Before we go any further, if you've been raised with Christ, do you believe that Jesus is God's son as God? Do you believe that, that Jesus is fully God, fully man, who lived a perfect life, who bodily rose from the grave. Do you believe that in that Jesus? Because that Jesus is this Jesus of the Bible, and this Jesus is to be worshipped. What good is the resurrection? What good is it being raised to life if Jesus is not God? And man. Because he is the mediator between a sinful man and a holy God. If you do not believe that Jesus is God, then you have not been raised to life because part of being raised to life is believing that Jesus is who he said he is. Or how about this? Do you believe that, that, that everyone is a sinner and do you believe that you are a sinner? The Bible declares that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that includes me. If you 
do not believe that, then First John says we are liars because the truth is not in us. Because the truth is we have all sinned. And if, and if, if you don't believe that we are all sinners, but you are identifying as a Christian, then what is Christ raising you from? From a mediocre life to your best life now type nonsense? No. He's raising us from the deadness of our trespasses and sins and giving us eternal life. To not believe that to not means we have not been raised from life because we, if we do not understand the depths of our sin, then the beauty of the cross will not make sense. Okay, one more. Do you confess that you have worshipped something other than God and that you are a spiritual idolater? And if God had not raised us from the dead, we would still be spiritually dead and destined for an eternity in hell if Christ had not raised us from the dead. If, you, if that statement, though it's hard to hear, if you don't resonate with that statement, if you cannot say, yeah, I've worshipped other gods, I have gone my own way, I have not lived the life that I should, and I have not worshipped God, then if you can't say that, then, then you haven't raised with Christ. If then you have been raised with Christ, we should not claim to be Christian if we have not been raised with Christ. Now, if, if you heard those things and you realize you're not a Christian, then, then I don't want to move on. Believe. Be a Christian. It's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone are we saved. And as you believe in Jesus, becomes the object that you worship. He becomes the God whom you love. We love him because he first loved us and he died while we were still sinners. I would just say believe on his name and you are saved. There's, there's the invitation. And believe that he is God, that we are sinners, and that we have worshipped other gods. And lay down, we need to lay down our arms, raise the white flag, and say, Lord, I surrender. I surrender to you. And because of what Jesus has done, being raised to life brings about a transformed life. This is why I'm being so careful here. I feel like I need to be careful. I feel like we're beginning to be able to move forward to what the gospel is, to what the gospel does. I need to make sure we're safe, though. Being raised to life. Now, some faster than others. Some of us bear fruit faster than others. Some of us mature faster than others, right? The point is, the gospel is too powerful to not bring radical change in our life. If it raised Christ Jesus from the dead and that spirit lives in us, we've been raised to life in Christ, how can there not be evidence of change of that in our life? If this is who we are, now I feel safe, we can move forward, okay? Then, this is what we do. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, Seated at the right hand of God. I love that it's not just this kind of, just have heavenly thoughts and just think about, have some good vibes and, you know, send some prayers up to the big man upstairs. It's no, no, no. When you think about Jesus and you set your mind, you're setting your mind on Jesus who is seated at the right hand of God the Father. Eyes with flames of fire. 
clothed in white, holy, righteous. When Isaiah sees God in his glory on the throne, he bows down and says, holy, holy, holy. I'm a man of unclean lips. There's this reverence. We set our minds on the object of the person, Jesus himself, not just some heavenly, blissful, blessing, whatever that means type thoughts. Like it's, it's, it's tangible. It's, it's tangibly intangible, if that makes sense. Not at all, okay? Set your mind on things that are above and not on things of the earth, Colossians 3.2. Okay, so here's the connection that Paul is making. We have been raised to life in Christ so that we would gaze upon the beauty of Christ's glory. The reason God has given us spiritual life is so that we would behold the beauty of Jesus above all other beauties. That we would look at him and we would say, God, you are glorious. You are lovely. You are beautiful. You are powerful. I praise you. Set your mind on things that are above. And Paul is fighting here for our maturity and our holiness in Christ. John Stott, um, pastor, author, theologian, articulated a question on this very theme of, of, of Christ being in the forefront of our minds. And, and he reflecting on his life, looking back as, of being a teenager and thinking about what does it mean to set your mind on things above. He said this interesting phrase, and he poised it as a question, and I'll do that to you. The secret of holy living lies in the what? The secret of holy living lies, John Stott says, in the mind. In the mind. Set your mind on things that are above. Paul says in Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to the image of this world. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not be shaped. Do not be so influenced that you begin to resemble the world more like than you do Christ. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed. How are we transformed? By the renewing of our mind. The secret to holy living lies in setting our mind on things above. We, I'm not saying, some of you are like, wait, what? You're like, I, I, I'm right here, man. Come on, Travis, bro. This is, I, wor- I worship with my heart. I'm this passionate I'm a, I'm a, I, this is how I worship Jesus. I worship with my emotions. Um, we don't worship Jesus only with our minds, but there is no worship of Jesus without our minds. Jesus said when we worship him, he is looking for those who would worship him in spirit and in truth. We worship him with our minds and holy living begins in the mind because the mind is the conduit of which God renews our hearts and our hands. It begins and the mind, we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. And this is why Paul says, set your mind on things above. This has nothing to do with your IQ. Praise God for some of us. 
This has nothing to do with your degree or your lack of degree or your education. It has nothing to do with those things. It has everything to do, listen to me, with the trajectory of your thoughts. What is your mind set on? Now, I'm not saying you can't think about other things. Obviously, Paul's going to talk about other things. There are other things we can think about and enjoy, but the direction of our thoughts are mostly heavenward towards Christ who is seated at the right hand of God. What you set your mind on reveals what you worship. And what you worship reveals your identity. So I'm going to use some really practical earthly examples to kind of make the, to tie this together when it comes to what we set our minds on reveals what we worship. What we worship reveals our identity. If you're a waterman, right? Big wave surfer. Got a couple of you who go to the church here who, who love charging big waves. If you identify yourself as, I'm, I, I surf big waves, I'm a big wave surfer, then what is your mind set on? Um, swell forecasts, jet skis, uh, large boards to paddle on to make sure they have enough buoyancy and float to get your paddling speed up so you can catch these crazy, huge, massive waves so you can drop in. And that's what your mind is set on because your mind is set on in which, that which you identify with. So another example, those who identify is LeBron James fans, right? Some LeBron fans in the house? Okay, so um, yeah, all right, a couple of you. Um, so if, you're a, if you identify truly as a LeBron James fan, um, then, then you're going to have your mind set on uh, a new basketball team. Lakers, right? I'm just saying. Now, maybe you weren't a Lakers fan before, but if you're going to be true, identified truly as a LeBron fan, then you are going to have to have your mind renewed and changed because, because he's with the Lakers now. And so, you see, your identity reveals what you set your mind on. Okay, some of you, I just lost you with two sports illustrations. I'm sorry, okay? Okay, if you're a mom, if you're a mom... You identify, you're, 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 that's your identity. You are a young, a mom of a young baby child, an infant. What is your mind set on? Sleep? <laughs> oh, Lord, can you, I'm serious, it is sleep, right? <laughs> See, there you go. Diapers, organic sunscreens, organic diapers. Like, they didn't even have, like, when we had our first, that was just beginning to become a thing. Now it's like a major thing. Like, do you don't buy organic diapers for your baby? Do you love Jesus type thing? Like, oh, my gosh. Um... <laughs> Just picking on you, I love you. Man, if you identify as a, as a mother, those are the things your mind is set on. The point of those earthly examples is the connection between your identity and your thinking are inseparable. See that? What you find your identity in, the connection between your identity and your thinking, they are inseparable. You are what you think. If we have been raised with Christ, then our, then our thoughts should be set on Jesus and eternity. And Paul says, not on the things of this earth. If the defining characteristic and the identity of your life is, I have been raised with Christ, then the thoughts that occupy your mind should be on Christ. 
May our minds, Christians, because we identify with Christ, we've been raised with him. May our minds be set heavenward because this earth is so temporary, you guys. We are like a flower that, that is here today, that is on the hillside, that fades and is gone tomorrow. Think about your death. This is not everything. Are we living, are we setting our minds on this earth as though somehow everything that we hope for and yearn for and desire for is only going to come from this temporary earth? Paul says, don't set your mind on those things. Our life is a vapor, here today, gone tomorrow. Even the things that you have. I mean, I was reminded of this a couple of months ago when I got a call from the property manager who manages the, the, storage, the storage facility where we hold some of our junk, right? It's crazy that, that, that we have a storage unit, but we do. We don't have a lot of junk, but we, we have a storage unit that has some of our junk in there. Um, and so I get a call saying, hey, there's a fire that broke out at the storage facility in the unit above yours, and your unit did not catch fire, but there was tons of water damage in all the units that are below your units, and so you need to go check it out. And so I remember driving to go look, and uh, sure enough, we found that, that a lot of things that we had stored in our storage unit were destroyed by the water, water damage. But even more than that, when we were, when we were driving, um, looking at these, em- these units that were just charred by the fire, and there were several of them, and there's this tractor picking up what was once the value possessions, the memories, or the important things that people own that were stored in the storage unit that were in piles of ash and rubbish that were being taken up and put into the dumpster. Everything you own and everything we have is future piles of ash that are going to be at the dump. Everything we are living for right now, it's not wrong to enjoy those things. I'm not saying that. But don't set your mind on the things of this earth. Enjoy them while you have them. But remember, they're going to be gone. What are you setting your mind on this morning? Is it, er, is it temporary or is it eternal? Is it fleshly or is it spiritual? Is it biblical or is it worldly? Is your mind being conformed to this world or is your mind being transformed by the power of the word of God? Set your mind on Christ. Set your mind on things above and not on the things of this earth. Now, really practically here, I don't want to steal thunder from a future message that we're going to get into in a couple messages later here in Colossians, but how, how do you set your mind on things above? A prayer, like by praying. Prayer is just talking, communicating with God by, by picking up the Bible and, and reading it, and not just reading it, but actually studying it and memorizing it. And as you hear a truth of the Word of God and you love it, meditate on it, memorize it, and think about it throughout the week, and you begin to set your mind on things that are above. Because the secret to holy living lies in the mind. Just to wrap up this thought of setting our minds on things above before we begin to wrap up this message. C.S. Lewis and his book, Mere Christianity. Phenomenal read. If you haven't read C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity, we'll have to get it at the book table, but um, it's a great book. Um, if we don't already have it, maybe we do. I haven't checked our book table in a couple of weeks. But C.S. Lewis and Mere Christianity said this. 
If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought of the most of the next world most. The apostles themselves who set foot in the conversion of the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this world. Aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. Set your mind on things above. And any horizontal problem you are experiencing right now is a vertical problem of your mind not being set on Christ. And be changed. Be renewed. If you've been raised with Christ, then these things are true. All right. Verse 3. We spent a lot of time on verse 2. We're going to wrap up verse 3 and 4 here quickly. For you have died. You've died. Your mind is not going to be set on the things of the earth anymore because you've died to those things and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So in the first advent, Jesus came humbly as a baby born in a feeding trough to live and to die as a sacrifice for sinners and as the appeasement and of the satisfaction of the wrath of God. That's his first coming. The second coming that Paul talks about here and the second advent of Jesus. Jesus is not coming as a meek and mild baby. He's not coming as a a man who walks into Jerusalem on a donkey bringing peace. He is coming to wage war. He's coming on a white horse. He's coming again to judge the living and the dead. And you are hidden in him. And he is yours and you belong to him. And and this idea, this language of being hidden in Christ is speaking of that you are safe in Jesus. And that even if your uh, unsaved friends or your unsaved family members ridicule you or mock you, they, they don't understand why you need Jesus. They don't understand why you love Jesus. They think you're drinking the Kool-Aid of some weird religion. That you're wasting your life when you could be having so much fun and doing so many other things. No, now you belong to him. Your life is hidden with Christ and God. He is hewned out from the storm. A rock. He's pulled out rocks and he's made a, a safe place for you to gather under the shadow of his wing. You were shielded from the storm. You were his child. He is seated at the right hand of God. Right now, he loves you. And right now, your life is hidden in him. No one can snatch you from his hand. No one can remove you from his love. No one can take what Christ has given to you. And Jesus, who we love, Jesus, who we live for, Jesus, who we set our minds on, is coming again. You. Oh Lord Jesus, come quickly.
and what you are now setting your minds on, you will soon see him face to face. And he will glorify you. And sin will be no more. And every earthly thing we set aside to pursue Christ first will be worth it. We count all things as rubbish for the sake of knowing Jesus Christ. If then you have been raised with Christ, then set your mind on things above. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you free us from the enslavement of living for that which is temporary. That your good gospel is powerful. And that you give us the strength to believe even when we do not have the strength to believe. And if our minds lack that understanding, help us to receive through your Holy Spirit that which we don't see yet fully. That we as a people would, would set our minds on you that we would stop focusing on our problems, that we would stop focusing on our struggles, that we would stop focusing on ourselves or stop focusing on others, and that we would enjoy all that you've given us because we've set our minds on you and you alone. Even as we're praying now with our heads bowed, with our eyes closed, we ask the question, and I ask you right now, have you been raised with Christ? Before you begin to attempt on your own strength to set your mind on things above, I ask you, have you been raised with him? Believe. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God, fully man, fully God, who paid for your sins, who lived the perfect life, who died on your behalf and rose again. Seated at the right hand of God right now, believe that you are a sinner in need of salvation. Believe that you have worshipped other gods and that only you can be saved and you can only enter eternal life through Jesus. Set your mind on him. You will be saved. Receive the identity Christ has purchased for you in the cross by receiving it through faith. For we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.